Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, Mike Epps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Zelda fan number one, king of all Zelda fan, fan by master, David, whichever. <laughs> okay, then. We're, we're, it's Zelda We Eve. are recording on this holiest of days, all Zelda's Eve. Yes, and we are we have Zelda on the brain. Who'd have For thought sure. that someone on the internet would have Zelda on the brain? No, I hear it's, you know, I saw some reviews, it seems like it's okay. You know, it's pretty decent. Um, you know, like literally more perfect scores than I've ever seen anything receive. It currently is has more reviews than Ocarina of Time and Mario Galaxy and sits above them. <laughs> that is okay. That's well we'll see. This is gonna be interesting anyway. Um We are going to chase after the long sought after short episode you may remember that was the initial concept of the show hey we're gonna do like it's hilarious how long episodes. that lasted yeah you know you know i was thinking about this it lasted until we had gaijin on the show and had like a two-hour episode and and it and never actually got back yeah yeah so um we are actually recording pretty late so this episode is not gonna go super long anyway so we're we're gonna set some time limits. <laughs> we're gonna set some time limits on these questions because some of the, some of the things asked this week could just be us droning on and on forever. And uh, you assume really that necessary. I will not drone through the buzzer. I will not be silenced. <laughs> we will see. Don't forget, I control the recording software. Yeah, but you're also lazy. That's okay. It's true, and I'm also playing Destiny while we're recording. So you're a monster. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. He did. He didn't manage to pick up a midnight switch. He won't be playing. Oh, he's it's, just playing Destiny. It's, Iron, it's Iron Banner week, and uh, I've already. It's always Iron Banner week. No, it's only like once. Is it? I don't even know if it's once a month, but yeah, it's, it's a week. And this this time it happened to be the week of Horizon and Zelda. Which is awful. So I gotta try and get my bounties in. Anyway, um, our first question, comment, etc., comes from our good friend Budai, who says, "Speaking of names, I think we talked about weird names last time." Yeah. Infinite Undiscovery is a weird one. Also, who are the three characters in the Q and A logo? And I'm setting a timer for. I'm gonna give three minutes for any talk related to characters on the logo. Because uh, otherwise, we'll talk about that game for hours. Oh, uh, yeah. So, the characters on the logo are from the much reviled, not by me, not uh, by me. Fi- Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Crystal Bears, which was that weird. Your Nintendo Wii? Yes, entry in the Crystal Chronicles series that um, is difficult to describe. I would do best. The one that's not a multiplayer, vaguely Diablo ish game. I would call it an open-world adventure minigame collection. It's very strange. A lot of a lot of telekinesis going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's diff- difficult to peg down, but it had some fun characters, fun story. It has a gorgeous soundtrack. Yes. Uh, just, Great art. It's like chill gameplay. And, it's a very good game to relax with. Yeah, and a lot of the activities are pretty fun. Obviously, some of them kind of can be misses but there's a lot of fun and the combat is really interesting and 
you know, it's not really presented in an RPG-ish fashion because most of the common encounters basically reward you with uh, an extra, let's call it a life container, since it's Zelda Eve. And, All Zelda's Eve. And they're kind, they're sort of puzzles, and they have a time limit. Uh, at which point the encounter resets, like all the enemies that are gone respawn, so if you haven't killed everything, everything just respawns. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like You, you can do things like throw different things, rip a, take a skeleton's head off with your tel- telekinesis and throw random things on for its head instead. And humorous things comes from there. Basically, it does some neat things with the telekinesis, and... Uh, you know, most of the mini games, games are based around it. It was one of those games that came out when the Wii had come out, and people were like, well, what do I play on this? And it's like, well, you can play this. And they're like, but that's not the AAA game I could be playing on Xbox 360. This game sucks. <laughs> and, and story-wise, it does some interesting things with like the whole mythology of the series. Like The big thing is uh, each of the four... I want to say races in the Crystal Chronicles world have like their own crystal. Um, I assume most people know what sort of crystal I'm talking about as far as Final Fantasy series goes, and we don't have enough time on the timer to explain anyway, but and basically one of them has been destroyed and the whole story is based around, you know, what what happened to the race based around that crystal and, uh, you know, it all it all kind of stems from that, and uh, a member of that race reappears, and it's which is obviously shocking, and yeah, the story goes from there, and that's that. The heck is that noise again? BB-8. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to watch Star Wars Episode Seven again one day. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Crystal Chronicles. Check it out. It's the probably super deal. cheap because yeah, no, it's it's you can get it for less than the price of the sandwich at yeah. this point, I think. So very few of us, yeah, unfortunately, care about it. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, Gaijin has some comments that we will check out next episode because <laughs> they're too long to read right now. Oh man! Wow! Yeah, now you're just editing so hard. Uh, And here's a question from Strawberry Eggs. There's an unnamed Tales game slate to come out on the Nintendo Switch. What do you believe it to be? A port of Berseria? Whatever the next game in the series will be. A port of Tales of Symphony Chronicles. I understand why it isn't released on the Wii U, but it's sad that games that originated on Nintendo systems didn't get an HD release on one. Something else entirely. Um, I'm sure you know this, maybe you forgot, but Symphonia did come out on the PS2. It was a later port. And that is probably what sold more in it, Japan, since the GameCube did not do well in Japan, if I recall correctly. It didn't do great, but like I think it sold the most in the nor- in North America anyway. It sold well over a million copies here. Yeah. But I, I feel like the broader point is more like... Technically, the Chronicles version is based on the PS2 one. It has some extra side quests, like a casino and such. But... Uh, I, I do agree with like the idea. It's a little sad that it came out on basically everything else. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't expect because, that because like that that game is the only reason that the Tales franchise has any foothold in the U.S. Yeah. Like uh, I would not expect that to be what comes to the Switch. But then again, we're getting Street Fighter 
two on the Switch, so Listen, I have you and no me are going to beat down idea. each other as Evil Ryu and Violent Ken. Oh, no, I'm not saying that's not, like, awesome. I'm just saying it's, like... Weird. Very strange. <laughs> Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers. There's no more challengers after this. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like... If I were to hazard a guess, it's probably a Brasseria port or a yeah. port of the next game that will be coming out on PS3, PS4, PC, and uh... and yeah, like I, I feel like the days of them giving a different mothership title to both PlayStation and Nintendo owners is probably kind of gone. Yeah, and also I still can't I can't believe we still call these mothership titles. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, yeah, I, it's. I don't think we're at the point where we're gonna get like third-party exclusives on the Switch that are of any like. Any. Listen, Super Bomberman R is for you and for me. Right. Uh, there's. I mean, there's third-party exclusives, but nothing like crazy. And a Mothership Tales game Switch exclusive would be crazy. So most likely a port. I wouldn't really call it crazy. It's just like I don't think Tales is going to yeah. be exclusive to anything yeah. anymore. I mean, it could be something like you know we got Dragon Quest Heroes one and two, so maybe you get a collection of Zestiria and Berseria on Switch, which would be uh, pretty sweet. Kind of a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Why? Just because one of them, like Zestiria, is really has really obvious points where it's just like this game's not done. <laughs> Well, maybe they can finish it. They aren't going to do that. They're not getting Grace's F here. Well, I'm just saying it... it, it well, makes... Grace's wasn't unfinished. The, right. F, the F scenario yeah. is actually not that good. But <laughs> Well, I'm just saying because they logically connect that they would make kind of... They, they do logically connect. It's just one of those situations where it's like... I don't think that they care enough to actually go back and try to finish some of Zestiria's more obviously undercooked aspects. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's about that. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot I made a joke here. You made what? Oh, uh, I made oh, I made the joke that they would uh, port Tales of Vesperia to the Switch, but the 360 version. You still don't get Patty, and you still don't get Flynn for more than four battles. Yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, more questions from Budai. Do you have any? So fun- I wanted more BB-8. We're gonna keep talking until BB-8 interrupts. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna give freaking arcade. This one's got five minutes. Wait, I should probably not start the timer until I actually finish reading question. Do you, do you have any fond memories of the arcade? It's a shame the American arcade scene has become mostly just games like skee ball. It was an interesting time when arcade games were noticeably more powerful than our home systems. I remember how amazing Ninja Turtles arcade looked. Yeah, that game is not very good though, dude. I'm sure. Hey, that, hey. Ninja Turtles Arcade is very fun if you're playing with someone else. Yeah, it's it's trash. <clears throat> wow, you just hate beat 'em ups. <laughs> no, I like it's that those games have aged terribly. Uh, I'm sure Japan had some RPG games or elements in their arcades where the Capcom D and D beat 'em up gauntlet, beat 'em what? There, the Capcom D and D beat 'em and gauntlet were as close as I can think of in American. Arcades. In terms of American RP, uh, ar- arcade okay. RPG style experiences. Um, yeah, that's about all I can think of. I actually had some fond memories of, like, not the old Gauntlet, but, like, the newer one. Legends? Uh, maybe Legends. I think it was the one that came out on N64. 
that's Legends. Okay. Unless it, like your other option is Dark Legacy, which is just more Legends. Uh, Dark Legacy <laughs> was bad. It's just more Legends. Um, I don't know. Legends was fun. Yeah, Legends is inter- Legends was interesting because it had a system where like it would save your character based on what you entered as your initials. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, but yeah, honestly, uh, I want to say that any like RPG-ish ones were probably going to come out of Japan. Japan has like these crazy ideas. Like at least had some crazy ideas about how to like make arcade games more contiguous experiences. <laughs> Yeah. Like here, take your bring your GameCube memory card so you can unlock tracks from frickin' F Zero AX. Yeah, Video that's games. not weird at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there was some like trying to think of things I remember being fond of in the arcade. I can't think of anything that really had much RPG in it. It's not really like. An arcade game that takes more than an hour to finish is an arcade game where the arcade operator is going to get pissed off because one dude's going to get one dude's going to be able to one credit complete it and spend an hour on the machine and only have paid a quarter. Yeah, like you don't want to. You don't like. There were tons of monetary reasons to make it so that arcade games were not longer experiences. <laughs> and so, like, it's it's really hard to like think of any. Like any games with significant RPG elements that weren't like the D and D beat 'em up, where they were sort of augmenting a more standard order munching playstyle, or something like uh, Guardian Heroes, which I'm not even sure was in that arcades at all. Yeah, no, that was a Saturn game. Yeah, I yeah, I'm almost certain there's no arcade version of that, yeah. unless you count the Xbox Live arcade. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I keep forgetting that's backwards compatible, which is freaking awesome. Like, it's it's so good that that's backwards compatible, because otherwise it would be lost to time again. Seriously, yeah. That poor game. game. Yeah, I love that game. That is the it's best, so that is the best beat-em-up. It's so good. But, <laughs> that, that has RPG elements as well. Yeah. yeah. Level-ups and plot branches. Yeah, branching paths. Love that game. Anyway, um, as far as like fond memories of the arcades, it's really fighting games and beat 'em ups, uh, especially freaking Marvel vs. Capcom. Some uh, epic throwdowns with that game. I used to love uh, getting off like the a super move, a long running one, and just like drop your hands off the controls. It's gonna be a while. Yeah. No, just, you know, as a sign of disdain, like, I just destroyed you. Uh, I'm trying to, like, I feel like my, like, my fondest arcade memories are, like, tricking, like, really obnoxious, like, weird old light gun games. Like, okay, so there was an arcade in the ci- the next city over that charged admission, but everything took nickels. <laughs> And so, like, you, you would see things that took, like, five five nickels, but, like, those were the really expensive things, and most things took, like, one or two. But, uh... Like, it's... 
Like there was, they imported arcade machines, and those got weird. Like there was a Fist of the North Star. If you like, if you're familiar with that franchise, there was a Fist of the North Star arcade machine they imported, where like you had these two giant like plastic boxing gloves. And, like, there were giant plastic targets that would pop out from up and down the thing, and you were supposed to just punch all the targets. And if you've ever seen Fist of the North Star, like, there'd be points where you would get into fights with, like, a guy who was, like, an episode-ending villain, and it would, like, challenge you to do, like, Kenshiro's 100 Crack Fist, where it would just, like, all the targets would light up, and it would challenge you to hit them, like, 100 times within, like, 12 seconds. It's an exhausting game, but it's kind of amazing. Sounds kind of amazing. There was also... That was the only place I have ever played Gun Survivor 2 Resident Evil Code Veronica, which was the arcade light gun game based off uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica. It's not very good, but it's super weird, and it was the only place I'd seen it. Uh, They imported a Drum Mania machine for some reason. Like, it was a weird, weird... Like, it was a weird place, but it had a lot of interesting stuff. Oh, that was also where I learned to love Metal Slug X. I love Metal Slug X. DDR? Oh, yeah, yeah, they had a real nice DDR machine. But, like, every for a while there, every place had a DDR machine. Yeah, but, yeah they had a real nice DDR machine. They had 18-wheeler American Pro Trucker. Uh, like, you know, the, all those arcade games that shout at you all the time... I feel like there's yeah. some really cool uh, Jurassic Park like on game where you had to actually climb into some sort of jeep. Oh yeah, yeah, and it shook around a lot. Yeah. They had that. Good times. It was a, it was a it was a real nice arcade. Like I was impressed. I think they still exist. I haven't checked them in years because I feel like I'll be depressed if I walk in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nice nice place. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that and like. Playing Battletoads Arcade for the first time with the, with Fuck a revelation. Battletoads Arcade is amazing because it's bafflingly violent. <laughs> like you get to the second boss, and it's a snake. It's a giant snake that will like bite you to death. And when you kill it, your Battletoad kicks its head off, and a geyser of blood spurts out its neck. Wonderful. Baffling, utterly baffling. <laughs> Uh, Final that's also thoughts? One of the only arcade, that's like one of the only arcade games I've ever beaten <laughs> because my dad me and my brother started playing it and my dad just pulled out like just went to the quarter machine and just exchanged like a 20 and just kept giving us quarters until the game was over nice that's kind of a fun memory uh Anything else? Final thoughts? Uh, Simpsons Arcade. Simpsons Arcade is... game is still good. Yeah. And it has. It's weird because like it was made during the production of season one. It has like Black Smithers, but also it has a bunch of Life in Hell references for some reason. And it was made by Japanese people, so I'm very curious. Like, who gave them reference material for Matt Groening's non-Simpsons comic he'd been making since like the 70s? Good question. And it, it references, like, a joke that, like, apparently they had wanted to do at one point where Marge's hair would, like, 
be where they would like they would reveal that Marge's hair was done up in a beehive to hide the fact that she had like life in hell rabbit ears. <laughs> like if she gets electrocuted in that game, you see her skeleton and it has the rabbit ears. Weird. It's a really it's a loving game, very interesting. Yeah. Love the Simpsons arcade game. Better than the X Men arcade game. Oh man, but the X Men arcade game was six player if you got the right cabinet, which yeah, kind of made up true. a lot. Also, also, welcome to die, X-Men. <laughs> X-Chicken. All right. Oh, man, that reminds me. Did you hear that uh, Patrick Stewart is applying for U.S. citizenship? I did not hear that. I'm so proud to think of Patrick Stewart as an American. That's, think about that. That's pretty cool. All right. All right, moving on. Next Budai question, and I'm going to give us exactly one minute to answer this. I refuse to be bound by your protocols. (laughs) Is Dark Souls a JRPG or not? It is an RPG made in Japan, but it does not follow the tenets of the form that we would expect from a JRPG. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. It all depends on your definition. Everyone seems to use a different one. I, I feel like, at least for my personal definition... JRPG is a form rather than a like place of origin. Right. Because there's a lot more interesting to be said about the similarities of games that are actually attempting to be similar. There is interesting things to be said about games that aren't attempting to be similar, but which due to natures of the cultures that created them become share some sort of strange similarity. But in general, I find it a more useful active definition to say that a JRPG is something that carries a certain form about it and it's much it's much in that sort of like i don't i couldn't put a name to what it is but i know it when i see it makes sense i concur and and also let's be real people are trying to pretend the dark souls is its own genre so let's uh (laughs) the dark souls of x I'm, i'm still so angry that i've seen multiple places call neo a soulsborn the worst phrase. That's terrible. Like people, people complained that Metroidvania was an ugly word. Soulsborne is a worse one. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, rank these new games based on interest. Tides. Oh. Tides of Numera. That's Tides of t- Numenera. <laughs> Torment. Tides of. Numenera. Thank you. Zelda: Breath of the Wild, Near Horizon Zero Dawn, Mass Effect, Persona Five. Well, we're recording this on Zelda Eve. Yeah, so Zelda. I'm going to say right now, there's probably going to be a Persona 5 Eve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put that one at number two for me. Wheels can't really rank Horizon Zero Dawn because he's already playing it. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, but it, it's also not something you're hyped for because you already have it. Yes. Uh, hype transmutes into enthusiasm the second that the object is attained. I am already horribly more murdering metal dinosaurs. Listen, robots are kind and good, and you shouldn't be killing them. Nah, they're really not. They're jerks. You're awful. Robots shall inherit the Earth. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of the point of the game. They kind of yeah. did. I'm just saying, I want them to inherit your face. I want them to eat you. Yeah, that's, well... Also they, the point of the game. They don't eat <laughs> of the flesh, they eat of the metal. Sir. Okay, so listen, so all Zelda's Eve, Zelda's, Zelda's number one for me, Persona 5's number two for me, 
Horizon, I'm like, I'm very wait and see on because like I've heard very good things about the opening, but I'm not sure how well it sustains itself. I'm, I distrust Guerrilla Games. Uh, yeah, I mean, they that's yeah that they they need to earn people's trust. Listen, they've produced an unbroken stream of garbage for the past decade and a half, so. There, I said it. <laughs> the last kill zone was actually pretty good. So I'm going down the list, and they made Shellshock Nom 67, which is like the worst shooter. And they made Kill Zone 1, which is also the worst shooter. And they made Kill Zone 2, which is just Kill Zone 1. And they made Kill Zone 3, which is just Kill Zone 2. And thus, by the community property, is also Kill Zone 1. And I've, then. I've heard Kill Zone 2 is good, but it, it is too red for me to play. It's it's too gray for me to play. It's just like, like there is literally no color. It's so like the games. It's it's amazing that the games could be so technically masterful and so heinously dull to look at. Like the art direction is so bad. Well, see, like they had the they had the Gene Rogue Wolf Brigade like soldier eyes, and that was basically the end of art direction. See, that's why I like to point out the most recent one because the art direction on that was much better. Well, that might explain why Horizon has good art direction. Yeah. I, I can't I can't say much about the game itself, but, like, the world and di- art design of Horizon are, like, leaps and bounds better than anything they've ever produced before, so... Well, the most recent Killzone, so the first yeah, three no. all, all take place on bland whatever military world. Algaria. Yeah, and the newest one takes place on the world of the people that were invading bland military world. Oh, okay. So I was I was thinking. Okay, so that one takes place on the Hellgast homeworld. Why do I remember the name of the villain, the of the space Nazis? From I don't know. Yeah. So the so kill the, zone. The whole thing with that one is Hellgast world went boom, and now the rest of uh, uh, I don't know if there's like a federation or something. I'm gonna call it. I the, believe that the uh, the organization that you fight for, at least in the first Hell Hell Zone, was called not hell zone kill zone uh it's called the isa yeah why do i know it's not them so i'm gonna call it um the united states of space is like yo isa that's effed up Hellgas now owns half your world wow rip well you did blow up a planet yeah so they split the planet in two via giant wall and you know the single player missions i played were varied and interesting like one one on a spaceship with no gravity uh one like infiltrating uh, infiltrating some kind of building and i forget what some of the other ones were but the moral of the story is the art direction was much better no that's that's like that's an important thing like it's the it's interesting how much you don't recognize how good a game, how important a game's use of color is until you play like Killzone 2 and realize what yeah. a bad use of color looks like. But the joke I like to make is uh, Horizon is all the pent-up creativity by girls. <laughs> a decade and a half pent-up creativity. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I'm, I am interested in how that looks long term. What was the other? What were the other games that were mentioned? Uh, near. Uh, 
Pass. Um. It's going to be near the bottom. I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm going to play it. I'm interested, but it, honestly, it kind of ranks near the bottom of these just because I, they're it's a the, the re- of it's games. Stiff competition. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm unsure of the new Mass Effect, so it may rank the, the above. The videos that. I've seen of that have me very interested. Oh, I'm certainly interested. It's just I've actually played Mirror because it has a demo, whereas I. You know, I don't have that much to go on for Mass Effect, so that's the only reason I would rank it rank near above Mass Effect. Well, I played the demo of Near, and that's why I said pass when you got to it. Um, I've played that's a bit a bit of Torment, and it's certainly interesting. I just don't know that I have the time to like. Def- Actually, I'm going to put that one on the bottom because, like, apparently, it's only like 20 hours long. I just don't have the time to put into that kind of game. Right now, I'm really frustrated because I love everything about what I've seen of like Torment's like writing, and like the setting looks really neat, and I still hate anything that tries desperately to like adhere to the idea of like PC RPGs need to look like Infinity Engine games. Yeah, it's kind of an ugly game from what I've played. Like, uh, like I'm not even talking about just that. Like just the perspective like why did all of these have to be married to this obnoxious 45 degree perspective with like obnoxious pathfinding like setups like i I guess because part of their, i guess they're trying to sell on that nostalgia i guess i I know i just i love everything about them except the act of interacting with them and like i can get over it for things like i i enjoyed what i played of pillars of eternity like that's a very good game but like please I'm interested in your... I, I understand I'm not your primary audience. I'm interested in your game, too. And please, just switch to a perspective where I can control your frickin' video game. It's like, not a I'm so complaint. sick of... Like, if you switch to a top-down perspective, suddenly, like, half of, your, half of my complaints go away because suddenly, like, you can just intuitively give me joypad controls to move my character around and have other characters follow me. Yeah. But uh, right now it's obviously Zelda for me. But Persona Five, if like those if I two, were to, if I were to rewind like a month when I wasn't on the eve of Zelda, it would be Persona Five. So yeah. it's really probably Persona Five. It's it's one of those things where we are jinxed by the fact that Zelda is just about to come out. Yeah. But, oh man, Zelda. <sighs> All right. Uh, what else we got from Budai? Y'all mentioned trying to recommend better games than experience at Grace's F, which well, I do love Grace's F. It's no doubt a better battle system and level up system. The setting the setting titles for skills up in this game was almost the perfect system, but Vesperia has a huge varied world map. Eh. That this made me feel like the game was a PS2 game on steroids. Am I just weird or did world maps so this is the real question here. We're gonna ignore and this could Ves- be a very long Vesperia question, related. by the way. Yeah, we're going to limit this to five minutes. You're going to say that, and then I'm going to talk about world maps for another 20. Yeah, and then I'm going to cut the recording off. So, am I just weird, or did world maps fall out of favor way too quick for little reason? I can see trying to make a world map that is like a field map a la Dragon Quest Eight, but was Silly's attempt to add fields worse than Abyss and Vesperia's amazing world maps? Uh, I 
totally disagree with you on Abyss. Abyss's world map is total, uh, pardon my language here, total shit. Like, absolute, utter garbage. And it Its world map is interesting mostly because it changes a lot. I, I guess. It ran horribly, for the most part. Oh yeah, the frame, rate, the frame rate on the world map of, this, of Abyss, at least on the PS2, it's a little better on the 3DS. Yeah, but the frame rate of Abyss's world map on PS2 is a travesty. It's also just, like, ugly as sin. It's just it's not good. It's very barren. It's like it makes it look like the game got pushed out a little early. Yeah. Uh, I love both video games, but I just like having the epic world map from previous games. That's uh, understandable. Like the abstraction allows you to fill in the idea that there's a world here that you're just like is just out of sight and allows you to sort of think to yourself, there is more to this world, and it gives it a broader sense of scope that your mind sort of fills in. Yeah. Whereas when you have, like, these eternally interconnected fields, you run into this, like, where would there even be space for more world than what I'm seeing? Right. Uh, and I think the problem comes in that, uh, you know, just looking at Abyss, those world maps can kind of not necessarily turn out as well when you're using more of an advanced graphic engine and not exactly... I guess using all of it for that world map. Like, uh, what I'm getting at is, if you look back at a lot of older RPGs, they're doing a lot with less, because, like you said, your mind can fill in a lot of different things, and you know you can just make a world map out of nice-looking tiles. It's not time-consuming. It looks nice, and it makes sense in the context of the game. If you want to make a similar world map in something like Tales of the Abyss, or something like... just... I don't know, throw out something like Final Fantasy XV, it's not going to look right, unless you're putting a lot of effort into it, and that's a lot more effort than any of those old world maps in the old games. So I think that's part of the reason they fell out of favor. I would also argue that part of it is just that the more that you have like realistically styled and proportioned characters, oh, for sure. the more the abstraction of the world map is distractingly strange. Yeah. Like you get your normally proportioned character who's walking around and they're like the first time that I feel like I and probably a lot of people noticed this was like playing FF8. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that, FF8. The proportions are all over the place in that entire game, but they're never more obvious than the world map. Yeah. And, like, you get, like, I, I feel like with something like FF15, it's them sort of realizing that, oh, another option is to not pretend you're seeing the entire world. Yeah. You're just seeing regions of it. And, like, that gives you a bit more leeway. Like... Here's this big here's this big giant map. Okay? That's not the world, that's just a bit of it. And I think yeah. that I think this probably led to kind of an increase in the number of RPGs that actually focused on a smaller portion of a world rather than the whole world. Because yeah. you can kind uh, of flesh Trails games also do that very well. Yeah, cuz you can kind of flesh out uh, one smaller area and make you know all the parts nice and finely detailed and not have to kind of make a bunch of empty space, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, 
I will say that I do occasionally miss like games that have world maps that really feel adventurous. I'm a big fan of Skies of Arcadia's world map. Not played that, but Skies of Arcadia's world map is great because you'll occasionally find things that are just discoveries, and they like they don't do anything. You can't land on them, but all they but well, it's they don't not do anything. But like they they you can't land on them. You can't really interact with them other than to discover them. But when you discover them, you get like this little piece of like world that's like what what is this even doing here? Where did this come from? We don't know. It's kind of from an earlier place. You can find bits that sort of like map to the idea that like oh there's here's how this analogs to Earth and like it's really neat. Skies of Arcadia is amazing. Please come out on everything again, please. That would be cool. Um. But, uh, like, yeah, th I, I feel like, and this will probably come into play with more time, like, the world map is a convention that, like, a lot of, like, initially, a lot of pe a lot of games failed to discard when it made sense to, mm -hmm. but now, at this point, oftentimes refuse to pick back up, even though it would improve them. Right. So... It's one of those things where design of trends kind of hit, uh, kind of work against games sometimes. I'm trying to think of a good example of one that could, eat. well, you know what a good one is, kind of Final Fantasy X. Yeah, FF10's world doesn't make any freaking sense. Yeah, like the way that it fits together is baffling and arbitrary, and it was like definitely done because they saw that FF8 problem, but they like they were not capable of fitting together a world that makes that make sense so like it has like this weird map screen that implies that like when you move from one place to another there's like this set of dots that connects the two places and you never really get a good look at the full map and uh, it's just bizarre it doesn't work it doesn't work at all <laughs> like yeah ff10's a good example uh just a lot of those like PS2 era ones that were sort of aping FF10 before the world map completely fell out of style. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, you threw out the world map because FF10 threw out the world map. You didn't know what to put in its place, so you just sort of like made this weird tube. <laughs> like, like people complain that 13, FF13 is a tube, and it is, but really, 13 was just a more honest tube. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't lie to you, for better yeah. or for worse. Yeah, like what you see is what you get for the tube. Uh, whereas, like, like you know, the it, that was the culmination of design of the design space leading up to its creation. Like, we need this. The, we need the world, and it doesn't really matter how it stitches together. And now we're sort of pushing back into the realm of like we need to create a world with some degree of verisimilitude where it's like okay this isn't just a dungeon that you're walking through that has prettier environments and more fields this is a world where things that aren't you exist and like I think that's that's really core to a game feeling like uh, I was reading a really good article on Waypoint earlier where they were talking about the new Zelda and they were t and the the review itself is really good, but basically it, one of the things that really tries to hammer home is that part of the reason that the author liked it so much was 
that it allowed him to feel like an adventurer even when he was not on an adventure. Like, being an adventurer at rest in Breath of the Wild felt to him like not... Like, you were still on an adventure, but you had this brief respite. And that's because that world is allowed... Apparently allows you to sort of have this situation where, like, the world is still going on even though you're not doing anything in it. <laughs> and, like, that's really important to, like... Because, at least for me, because, like, one of the things... We're getting kind of far afield to the question, but since this is probably the last one, I, I want to kind of uh, soliloquy a little bit. But uh, that, that's really important to the... Like, one of the things that I love about a good RPG is the ability to go into its world and really explore it like it's a world. And, like, it... It felt like it feels like the pendulum swinging back, but for a long time it felt like the the art of the world subsumed everything else about how it was presented. Like you, if the art was good enough, you, they sort of would ignore that there wasn't much to the world. And more and more, like we're seeing, like to set yourself apart, since so many things have such gorgeous art, you need to make the world feel lived in and that's one of the things that like persona with its focus on a very tight area was very very good at because it could it had to in order to distinguish that time was passing it had to make it clear other people's lives were still going on sorry i and it <laughs> succeeds with that well. quite well actually yeah and that's and that's why persona 4 like you know any like half the other games from 2008 what else even came out in 2008 uh, dot, dot, but I dot. could still I could still tell you just about everything in Persona 4 what every NPC is doing at any given time because they all just because they're all doing things even if all the things they're doing are like an anime stereotype they're still all doing things and it's like going down the highway in FF15 and I like see something and that sight is so breathtaking that I remember it like because it's like being on a vacation and seeing a place you've never seen before yeah it, like it's the difference between seeing a painting of a city in a museum and walking through a city sorry I just I get really impassioned about this I really really love like the the trend we are seeing back to the idea of like the world abstraction apparatus of a video game needs to convince you that there was more to it than what you had and they used to have the advantage of the game being so abstract that your brain could accept the idea that more was going on than you saw and then we got these more these prettier and prettier games that like merely showed that the abstraction was hollow there was nothing there and we're finally starting to see them go back and try to plaster in the gaps okay there needs to be something here Sorry, sorry. No, I it makes, no, I totally agree. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, that's what's kept me out of, away from a lot of, like, open world games. Like, sure, they're gorgeous, and it's just like, I uh, just find this world boring. Yeah, like, what what is here? What am I to find? Like, that's, that's also why, like, you know, you, you get to situations where, like, say, playing Skyrim, I get to, like, the Thieves... I, I finish out the Thieves Guild, and I can still get missions. And they're pointless. Because they're all... Like, it's really obvious how they're procedurally generated from the first one you get. And it's like, 
you you don't create the when you when you give me a mission that means nothing you don't create the illusion of infinite possibility you shatter the prior illusion you had of what infinite possibility looked like yep like a bad procedural gen generation scheme only like it can't if, if your procedural generation like well any any procedural generation scheme allowed to continue long enough you will notice patterns but a bad one will immediately betray the aspects that govern it and then like shatter the illusion it's meant to create video games yeah philosophy of design <laughs> Speaking of open-worldy games, one thing I like about Horizon is... That there are no dons. Okay. Uh, but also, <laughs> the the attention to world-building. Like, it's not just like, hey, here's this super futuristic world where there's there's uh, dinosaur robots. It, you know, specifically... Spends time. That's enough to hook the me audience, but basically no one else. Sure, <laughs> but it specifically spends time at the beginning of the game to teach you about like the the character's tribe, and teach you how this person is different, and and give you hints at the the, the world that came before it, and it's just. Uh, I've been really impressed with that aspect of it. Like, it, it does not feel like, hey, here's a one-off game. It feels like, hey, this is the start of a franchise, and they're gonna, and we're building up like this interesting, futuristic world uh, that all kinds of experiences could be built. You heard into. it here first. Two Horizon, two Dawn. <laughs> uh, but I, I, and and I don't mean that to sound like you know this game isn't good on its own, it's just a franchise starter. It is quite interesting on its own, and uh, I've been really impressed with the story. Like, you know, I go into an open-world game like this and expect uh, expect it kind of the overall experience to be interesting and good, but I was not expecting to be to really be intrigued at the story and seeing where it goes. I feel, uh, to, to put it uh, another thought, just into this horrific hash that we're making. Uh, it's it's interesting to like. How did I how did I want to put this? Like, it's interesting to try. Like, I feel like it would be fair to say that a game that wants to have a really cohesive world should not necessarily assume it will get sequels, but should be written such that its world is not one use. Right. Like. You want to you want to put it in such a way that like the player can dig as far as the game will let them, but they will still find things that like obviously have explanations, but which the game cannot offer them. Like, because if there's a sequel, I mean, of course, you get other options. But if there is no sequel, it invests them more in the world because it means like, well, why do I think this happened? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm already seeing well, I haven't finished the game obviously but like I ran into like audio logs of people from the past which was pretty interesting and um, yeah, I'm really not sure if the game is even going to completely cover like what happened to the world uh, so 
it's just uh, your way. you'll find out yeah it's very intriguing uh, <sighs> and I, I'm really kind of just looking forward to just wandering around and seeing what sorts of hints at different things I can find yeah that's a There's, it looks like there's a lot of game there, Town Cover. So, like, I, I hope that your impressions continue to be as impos- as positive as they've started. I hope so as well. And um, kind of one thing I've been impressed by so far, I guess, is uh, I guess how dynamic combat is. Hmm. Uh, and let me think of the best way to explain that. Like in so in a lot of games, um, open world games, whatever you want to say, kind of it's just maybe you're dodging and you're kind of just throwing your attacks out there, but it's kind of um, not exactly complicated, I guess is what I'm getting at. Hmm. Whereas in this game, uh, you can die very easily. Um, oh, good. So you can't just kind of keep firing arrows and, you know, that's that. Uh, like, one of the first weapons you get is, it's like a, uh, so you basically, f- f- uh, it basically makes a, like, a, a shock wire that, you know, an enemy will run into when they get stunned for a bit. Uh, so, like, what the, the first boss fight you do, you have to kind of make use of that, but it doesn't, and but you can kind of do it how you want like maybe uh if you wanted you can kind of have it hit the first one and then kind of just go from there or you can set up several of them and kind of make a trap hmm. to kind of plan out the whole battle ahead of time uh so it it just seems like there's a lot of different ways to tackle things uh kind of the second boss I fought you don't really get to do a lot of planning, it just kind of happens it's like this giant metal thing attacks a village and you kind of have to uh, just figure it out as you go uh, mm. so it's like okay, find the weakness, try and get a tripwire up, hit the weakness as much as I can uh, and I think when I there were like two things, I think when one of them exploded it kind of went down, so I can kind of got an opportunity to get some hits in and on the other You're a murderer? Point. Yeah. How do you do this? I, I don't know if that expl- explanation was anything just other than rambling, but it's just it's not simple. Four robots trying to make their way in the yeah. world and look what you're doing. Get out. It just requires... Uh, I guess more of your attention and thought than you would normally expect from kind of an action e uh, open world game. Like this, this, this is always my problem with uh, the combat in the Elder Scroll series, right? Mm-hmm. It's boring. Like it's not much. It's not much to the combat in, in Elder Scrolls. And some of them exceptionally boring. And since it's something that happens a lot in the game, like there's a fair number of combat in it, it kind of drags down the whole experience. So in this case, um, to f- make the combat a lot more distinct, 
and also dangerous because your character can die so easily, you can't kind of just ignore it. You have to think about it and pay more attention to your surroundings and move more carefully. And I've been really impressed by that and hopefully continues throughout. Uh, and you don't just become like a super badass by the end of the game that can destroy anything. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be nice. But then again, there's also the situation where, like, to some extent, they want to design that in because that's what some sure. people play for. So. We'll sure. see how they walk that fine line. Yeah, I guess the other thing is I didn't mention is it has a difficulty setting, and I chose hard, so it's probably of course a, you did. it's probably a lot easier. Uh, of but, course you did, you giant frickin' nerd. But I mean, even if you're playing on an easier setting, you still have to take a lot of these things into consideration. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep calling you a nerd. <laughs> like none none of the weapons I've seen, other than like getting a better bow, are like, you know, like a rocket launcher or a super powerful thing. It's all like traps and different tools to, uh, I guess I would say, control the flow of combat and give you chances to attack weak points and things like that. So. Oh, my brain, my brain is dead. I'm thinking about control statements now. <laughs> oh, God, that's bad. Please kill me. Also, one of the things that throws you in right in the early game is you get ambushed by a bunch of enemy hunters, and you have to kill them all. And, uh... Drink their just, blood for sustenance. No, it's just pretty intense. <laughs> like, it's one of those situations in a game you'd normally think would be mostly, like, a cutscene. Uh, but no, it's like you're being attacked by all these guys, you have to fight them all. Good do luck. it. Do it now. So, uh, at that point, I was very glad I took the skill that lets you zoom in and slow down time. Damn. <laughs> That's a pretty impressive skill. Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't actually slow down time. Skill, tripping balls. Tripping them balls, yeah. So, Horizon uh, is probably not going to be what you want to pick for an open world game over Zelda, but I highly recommend everyone check it out. Um, and I applaud I applaud Gorilla for doing something different, and I applaud Sony for finally letting them not make terribly boring first-person shooters. Uh, I wonder if the their more buddy-buddy relationship with Call of Duty caused them to finally stop caring about Killzone. Um probably did, to be honest. Although I don't think the later Killzone games sold very well anyway. I think they, like, the Killzone Shadowfall did quite well at PS4 launch. It probably did. There wasn't that much else out, anyway. Yeah, people always forget how bad launches are after the launch is over. Yeah. Let's talk about the PS2 launch. Oh man, I was I, I want to remark on something because I thought about it this morning and it was like, wow, that's kind of crazy, actually. So Sega pulled out of console hard uh, console manufacturing in February of 2001. They had a GameCube launch title ready in November. All right, that's pretty crazy. That's like nine months. I can't imagine Nintendo sent them a dev kit before they pulled out. So, which game was it? Super Monkey Ball. Yeah. I. I have no idea how to... <laughs> like, that must have been nuts. <laughs> they must have been working on that before 
they. But like how like how would they get? How okay again my problem? How would they have gotten a dev kit to start porting? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I got nothing. Like Super Monkey Ball was an arcade game called Monkey Ball. So like the game itself, but although it was being developed, like it came out in August of 2001 in Japan, and then like it it was a GameCube launch game in that November. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, I have have no guesses. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been thinking about that all day. How did they do that? Lots of overtime. I don't. Know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Um, I know there's probably a few more questions in this thread that we will get to next episode. There are. Uh, but we wanted to make sure we had something out before both of us get absorbed in Zelda. That's true. And I will also be going to PAX East, so that Jealous. will delay further recordings. Uh, so yeah, we'll see you next time. Send questions in on the forums. You can hit us up on Twitter. Um, my oh god, I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, aren't I? Atelier uh, article series. The first episode of that should be going up soon. It got a bit delayed, uh, but that should be going up soon. And I should get be getting another one out probably by the end of March. And it should be more regular from there. And I think that's it. I believe in your ability. And I'm also playing East Origin, so I'm probably going to do a review of that once I finish that. Guys, preview. Review. Very, very good. Uh, Good times. Port. I hope they patch it by the time I am writing a review. You hope they they get rid of any freeze issues. Well, I only had one freeze, and the other issues are relatively minor. And I honestly think I ran into them on PC as well, but issues to note nonetheless. Anyway, uh, we will see you next time. (laughs) Peace. See you next mission.